Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Congratulations, you've unlocked some Gorilla Radio. I am a crypto keeper, Steve Strange. I will break down a digital asset called cryptocurrency. Picture me rolling into central land. I got no time for glitches. I just need to buy land. They are chasing my bosses. What somebody be telling? But I don't give much, because I ain't selling. My NFT is not another number. I put a price, so don't place a bit what is under. The banks want to see us there. If a bull price is on the head, but still I have mana on my ledge. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us again today. We have a really, really good episode, really special kind of episode. Um, I have a, uh, a special guest with me. One thing I like to, to favor the most is bringing on a conversation um, about uh, you know, going into very interesting things, especially with crypto. And uh, so my guest here is Eric. Eric. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, and I especially favor bringing a guest on. That way we can uh, carry out a conversation because sometimes uh, it can get a little strange in here, me trying to carry on the narrative um, without maybe many of y'all out there falling asleep or what have you. And whatever uh, material I'm going over, I do like to um, express the point that um, whereas I apologize if the length of time in an episode does drag out a little longer than I like to, um, just know that a lot of this information is pretty important and that there's really no way to shortcut a lot of this information because the, um, the level of uh, details in this are very valuable and it takes time uh, not only to explain it but really uh, for you out there for any of you out there that are willing to learn this um, now and to uh, grasp many of the details that are involved it does take a lot of uh, time to kind of pick up a lot of these details and understand that there's a lot to go over there's a, a large learning curve and there's a lot of details that allow you to go in that direction however however you go from here on when you when you start to pick up on crypto when you become um, a, a hodler investor a trader or what have you that there are so many 
different directions, uh, so many customizations. There's a, a lot of different ways you can go into this, into this emerging market. And that's pretty much the best way to put this. This is an emerging market that has uh, the attention of so many around the world. And um, it's one to really highlight because it's almost um, also a once in a lifetime kind of thing because of how definitive and how exponential and what this really means um, in, the, in, the, in, the major, in the major scheme of things. So this is a very large learning curve to go over and there's so much uh, to learn and um, you should be very, very open to a lot of this because it's very important. Um, so what's interesting as well is uh, the, in the days leading up to uh, some of these episodes, uh, a lot of news comes out. In the crypto space, there's so much that, that just that drops in, in the headlines that are very pivotal and monumental and memorable. And um, it's hard uh, to pick one over the other. But there was one bit of information that came out on December 3rd that was uh, very definitive. And that was a special announcement coming from the S&P, the Dow Jones. And they officially stated that they will launch cryptocurrency indexes in 2021, becoming the latest major finance company to make its inception into the digital asset industry. So much so that the head of innovation and strategy at the S&P Dow Jones said in an interview with digital assets such as cryptocurrencies becoming a rapidly emerging asset class, the time is right for independent, reliable, and user-friendly benchmarks. So this is a very key point in the, the major market for the world because this is another clue and another hint that this is the way that the world is moving and we're going uh, you know, it's basically going to change everything um, that we're used to um, in, in the financial and in, you know, in lifestyle alone. So um, also one more very, very important point I'd like to make is in, uh, in, in you know, in the, the point that we're going to make here in today's episode, um, it's going to be about a very special skill okay but it's also important to know that at the turn of the last industrial revolution something called the factory model school was invented factory model schools or the industrial era of schools references characteristics which were designed to meet societal needs and focus on productivity this means this was a, a factory model designed to create docile subjects and factory workers. It doesn't become any more explanatory than that. This is a, this was a curriculum that was encouraged from the heads of corporations and elitists at the turn of that industrial revolution to educate minds into the assembly line. They didn't need thinkers, they needed workers. And industrialization is often touted as both the model and rationale for the public education system past and present. And by extension, it's part of a narrative that now contends 
that schools are no longer equipped to address the needs of where we are today. And where we are today are, well, we're at the fourth turning and with huge implication towards crypto and tokenization to everything. So that's uh, one reason I'm excited to bring in um, our guest today. His name is Eric, and Eric has a very special skill in segueing into this uh, into this topic, into this conversation, because as I was going into school, as I was going through school, Eric, I was realizing that something felt wrong. You know, I was able to keep up with the work, but at the same time, the schoolwork itself felt um, a little, I don't know how to say, just a little uh, so programmed that it felt like I was being prepped for something, but not for something that would have really escalated me like totally successful into life. It felt like I was just being prepped for some sort of minimalization into the workforce. And uh, when I came across this uh, this factory model school theory, anyways, it's, at least it's touted off as a theory, but ultimately you, it's, it's obvious on how true it is that um, it was a wake-up call. You know, it was very enlightening to come into this, uh, this concept or this, 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 this programmability towards us as humans on how we were, um, you know, how we're almost raised to come into the world on um, where it is at that point in time. And uh, today is in a, in a very, another peculiar moment and point in time. So as we get into this, first, can we uh, hear a little bit about your background, where you come from, what your experience is? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, thank you for the introduction, first of all. And, you know, that was actually a great introduction, a lot of information <laughs> shared. It's been a while since I've seen you, since the first time. Absolutely. Um, and even then, that was a quite a bit of a, quite a bit of a of a different experience, kind of talking to you as opposed to, because you know, from where we're from, there's not that many people that are very interested in finance in general, but much less crypto and trading and mm. forex and anything that can come with investments. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, a little bit about myself. My name is Eric Cazares. I'm 23 years old. Um, in general, I mean, I started finance when I was, I would say, nineteen, early nineteen. Um, just one of my one of my buddies. Um, there was a company called Live Markets Live, and I didn't really take I Markets Live too seriously as far as the network aspect of it, but I saw the investment side of it, forex, you know, the financial markets, as kind of like a beatable type of game, hmm. um, and that just kind of interested me that you could. Um, look at a chart, you know, try to predict where it's going to go and then, you know, make some money off of that. That just kind of goes totally contrary to the standard model of what you were talking about, mm-hmm. going to school and then, you know, afterwards getting a career, job, college, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of interests me from the get-go. Now, it wasn't very successful from the from the very beginning. Like you said, I think you mentioned it in the very intro, um, the, the learning curve is huge. It's you know, it's enormous. Um, and that taught me a lot of things, but you know, so on, you know, go on to iMarkets Live, two more years uh, went on. Then I started learning a little bit more of the fundamentals, um, the basics to what actually makes a good investor, um, the mindset that you need to have 
to be a good invest investor to kind of see outside of the the system that was kind of created for us mm. um and that was really important um in my growth as just a normal human being, not not even anything to do with investments or money, just how I see the world and how how so many other people see the world as well. I feel like the school system, um, in a sense, is just kind of destined to fail because of how many people there are. You know, there's so much general material, um, and there's no way that that can be extrapolated for every single individual into like every area of their life just kind of like doesn't make much sense to me yeah. um and I, I think i kind of figured that out in high school as well um that yeah i was doing good you know the classes were very very easy um i was doing good grades everything was but nothing felt right it didn't feel like like this was what i was supposed to be doing um and so yeah forex kind of introed me into that financial world um and from there, believe it or not, a lot of it was self-taught. Um, trial and error is the the biggest, you know, teacher to me. Um, you know, being able to fail um, is part of it, and accepting failure is part of it. Um, and then through that, you know, four years later, now I'm here, 23 years old, about to be 24 in February, um, and I'm you know more excited about about the fact that I actually stuck through that whole process. Mm. Like a lot of people stay for a couple of months, maybe even a year, maybe two years. And then they kind of see, okay, well, it's not kind of working for me. Let me just you know, go to something else. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the point. Um, and I, I guess the world kind of has a funny way of, um, if you focus on one thing and one desire, um, it tends to work out for you. But if you, you know, tend to put your energy into too many things, you kind of just, average at everything um and so i'm glad that i kind of stuck through this whole process and now i'm really really into crypto because that's just the new thing i mean it, like we were talking about the internet it's kind of like you were talking about the internet back in the 90s you know you can't even see you would never have been able to have imagined the things that are we're doing right now as like our every part of you know uh, part of everyday life you would never have imagined that stuff in the 90s um, and when we talk when I talk about crypto now, I talk about it in such a futuristic sense that I realize that it doesn't make sense to most people. <laughs> you just can't they can't grasp that. Um, and you know, I'm just trying to make it as simple as possible for people to realize that this is this is where we're going. You know, no, there's no stopping it. Oh yeah, there is definitely no stopping it. It's got so much. I mean, it's more than momentum at this point. And uh, to to the many different levels that are involved, and it is so multi-layered that it even blows my mind to think about um, everyone that's involved in this. Um, you know, I mean, because you're you're this is the transitioning of the world into a whole new lifestyle and learning, and so much so that the the factory model uh, education that I spoke to that I spoke about before. In fact, that's now going to be rewritten at some point. I'm not sure if it's begun or not, but it's being rewritten to um, begin a whole new education and curriculum and conversation to the youth of today. Um, Actually, I think, in fact, um, the STEM and STEAM programs, I think, are probably the most, uh, uh, is probably the best example to to give in in light of this because uh, the STEAM 
uh, well, the STEM program, I like to refer to it as STEAM, uh, which stands for Science, Technology, Engineering. And the A can usually teeters back and forth from architecture to just um, generally art. Mm -hmm. And then the, uh, the, the M, um, which refers to math. And so this is a, an especially um, unique curriculum that, that are being taught to the children of today to kind of more um, introduce a lot of these, these new technological advancements to them. And so I think that's going to be interesting to see if they can keep up with the development on that. Um, you know, um, a lot of the, the, the way the world is panned out today with, uh, you know, um, uh, kids learning from home, you know, it's called remote learning. Um, some are in school and some are having to do it from the home in which they all have either laptops or tablets. And so this is a whole other learning curve. You know, this is a whole other virtual um, type of existence to which um, really young children are being exposed to and utilizing, you know, to carry out these tasks. So it's very, very interesting to see this play out. And uh, yeah, when the internet first came around, I mean, uh, no one, uh, no, uh, there was just no way to really see how that was going to look to today. And um, I think just the more you learn about what crypto is and the, you know, the, the smart contract and the programmability involved, um, you can kind of see it. So you have to be able to put yourself outside of that box. Um, you know, wherever are, wherever you are in life, you have to be able to look, you know, think outside the box, look about how, um, you know, how different things are looking into um, and you never be afraid to learn. And I think you were one um, to really succeed in where you are because you were, you were very determined to keep learning and to, you know, not let any of this stop you if you knew you could do it. And uh, it was just a skill that you had to keep um, building on. So briefly, you mentioned uh, Forex. And uh, for those that um, do not know, this is, uh, this stands for Foreign Exchange. And it's the ability of trading uh, on the currencies around the world, such as the U.S. dollar and the euro and uh, the Aussie dollar and the Swiss franc, so on and so forth. Um, and so this is a, uh, a money market um, platform, I guess you could say, where you can um, trade the, the passing of these these currencies from one country to the next they fluctuate in price and so you try and take advantage of this this um trade this potential trade and um profit off of it and um so this was um this is in this like one particular topic when getting involved with crypto that i feel is important to know is being familiar with the market and um you know, a lot of the fundamentals that are applied to that, because um, when, you know, you're, whether you're holding uh, crypto or whether you're going to um, be buying and selling, you have to be familiar with a lot of the, um, the movement within the market. And there, there's, uh, so there's definitely a difference between the, the, the regular currencies in Forex and where crypto is today. But before we get into the crypto stuff, we'll just go over some of the basic Forex stuff and what um, this looks like, It what it kind of 
uh, spells out in understanding, right? So there's strengths and there's weaknesses. There's something called a TA, which is a technical analysis. And this is the ability to read uh, the charts and to read where the price is moving, how it's fluctuating, where it's going to go. And you provide this technical analysis to the chart to try and get ahead of it, to see where uh, it leads, to help guide you as a trader to decide your next move on how to um, maximize or uh, to potential, to give yourself potential in um, profiting from this market. Uh, so you've been doing that for a while. Um, how would you um, describe um, or how would you kind of introduce this to someone who needs to understand this? Um, so Forex in general is, ha has a weird kind of rap to it. Um, just because a lot of people see, you know, the scamming side of it, they see the people that don't, um, succeed in it. And the people that really don't put the time and effort into kind of learning the skill in general, but overall, I mean, it, it's it's economics on in a visualized way which is kind of how my mind works um i see numbers visually um, i learn better visually and so all a graph is is all that data put into you know a, a, a visual format and for me that was a little bit easier to tackle um yeah it's really just macroeconomic data um you know a lot of people know this stuff they just don't know how to implement it into an investment or to Forex, whatever that may be. Um, for example, you know, a lot of people know that the U.S. dollar is, you know, inflated or or has such a high standard in the world. People know these things. They just don't know how, what to do with that information. Hmm. So, for example, um, let's say the U.S. is a very strong you know, contender in the world compared to many other countries. Um, all you would do is you would hop on the charts and would say, okay, since the dollar is a very strong, you know, reserve currency, I'm going to be looking for an uptrend. And when the market is in an uptrend, since I know that the dollar is strong, just because, you know, you see it in the media, you see it, you see it everywhere. Everybody tells you that the dollar is a strong commodity compared to every other, um, currency, um, what you would do is just look for signs that the market is going to go bullish, which is just a buy um, opportunity. And then you just put your money where, where your feeling is as far as what you know, based off the, the macroeconomic data. But that, that's just, you know, it, it might be confusing to, to some people. Um, but I feel like a lot of people have the answers that, that, that they're looking for in themselves. For example, I don't know if you've seen around, but when you go to like a Wendy's or when you go to like an HEB, a lot of the signs say like um, coin shortage, right? Mm -hmm. Or like we have a coin shortage, so pay with exact change or pay with a card. Mm -hmm. For a lot of people, the the there's two ways you can look at that. For most people, they would look at it and say, wow, well, I need exact change or, you know, I need a credit card. And then that's just, they would say, that's just so dumb. Why? Why is that? Why is that a thing? But for me, I look at the coin shortage and I see the sign and I think about what does that mean to the people that put up the sign? 
to the people that put up the sign coin shortage, what does that, what does that entail as far as their financial investments? So what are they doing behind the scenes for them to put a sign that says coin shortage? And from there I do my research and then I put basically the money that I would invest into things that make sense based off of that sign, as opposed to just seeing the sign and saying, wow, I need change or wow, I need, you know, a credit card or a debit card. And it's the same thing with any kind of investment. Um, and so Forex is, is literally just that and just putting in into graphs um, and, and into, you know, a visualized form of it. Um, but for me, I see the, the main lesson that I learned is that short-term investments are not the best way to go. And you have to learn a lot about the psychology of why we do short-term investments. Um, and that kind of feeds into, you know, dopamine and wanting things as quick as possible. Mm. Um, and once you see yourself outside of those behaviors, you can do a lot more than you were actually taught to do. But most people don't like paying, playing that long game, the patience game. Mm. That's where the money's at. Mm. That's where you can get money. That's where you can get whatever you want. It doesn't even have to be money. It can be anything that you're working at for a long period of time. You will get there. But you have to recognize that it is a long game and that you won't have the answers immediately and that you won't have the success immediately. And so all that stuff ties into the psychology part of it, which I know you asked me um, um, you know, kind of what what I look at as far as because technical analysis is one thing mm -hmm. you can't necessarily predict the market. Um, you can just have an an educated guess, I would say, <laughs> of when prices in premium, prices in discount, um, and then buy or sell based off of that. But even then, that's not going to get you a guaranteed result. Mm -hmm. The psychology is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. um, learning that it is a long term game, it is an investment game. Um, and it is also a capital game. Um, so, for example, you could easily flip $10 into $1,000, right? That's a 1,000% gain. But you could, with that same 1,000% gain, you could have easily flipped 1,000 to 10,000 with the exact same moves, the exact same education, the exact same everything. Mm -hmm. And so once you realize that it is a capital game, then you kind of lose the fear of saying, Okay, it's not all about winning. It's all about capital and, and long term. Um, and Forex just taught me that, like I said, through trial and error. It's not like I just won all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I just ended up losing the first two and a half years way more than I ended up winning. Um, but that built the resilience and that built more curiosity to learn how to win as opposed to just quitting. Right, right. And I think uh, it's especially important that you bring up psychology because no matter how much of uh, technical analysis or how much you might uh, be able to draw up so many different things on a chart or a graph to try and predict an outcome, um, ultimately it does come down to that individual basis. Then you get to see what you as a person are really made of because you will then be tested with all sorts of inner workings that happen internally um, mentally and physically about what you're capable of doing and carrying out. And sometimes, and this goes into that strength and weakness of you being tested, um, these, these very aspects of weaknesses that you may have never known existed. You weren't tested 
um, you, your patience wasn't tested in this way before, or your, um, you know, your ability of drive, you know, or any, any aspect, um, that kind of makes you, you as your, you know, your individual, um, standpoint and in all of these different levels of psychology to find out, you know, exactly what you're made of. Um, because that's primarily where the payoff is, where you have to begin your learning curve to begin the ability, uh, to keep stepping in the, the right direction in this space, because it is no joke. Whenever money's involved, that, that can mess with anybody. And when, you know, when you come into money, that is, um, the, the easiest euphoric feeling in the world. You can like easily get taken over by so many uplifting and positive emotions. But, you know, as soon as it goes the other way, you then can take yourself to a very dark place. And then, you know, then you have to be able to pull yourself out from that. So, um, you know, the psychology of all this is, is a, um, you know, it's a pretty interesting phenomena whenever it comes to, you know, your, um, your, your ability to build up this skill and this, this trading ability that, um, well, I guess, let me ask you, do you think, um, you know, this, everyone goes through these same types of emotions and these feelings. Oh, if only, you know, if, if I only would have this and what if that, and I wish this and that, you know, those are typical like, you know, that's, you're not alone in a lot of these thoughts that, and feelings that you would go through, especially when money's involved. But do you think uh, anyone can do this? That's always a, a question that I asked myself because, um, I would see the lessons that I taught myself and the resilience that I went through. Um, and it's hard to, to tell if anybody can just kind of go through that um, and then still make it out. And I think it is achievable, but I don't, I don't necessarily think that the market is for everybody. Um, just because you learn the same lesson, most of the time, most humans learn the same lesson. They just learn it in another field. Mm. Um, whether it be a relationship or a career that they stayed at for, you know, a long time and then they get laid off or you can learn the same lesson in multiple areas of life. And so while I do think everybody can learn it, I definitely don't think that it is for everybody. Um, but that, that's definitely a big part of it. Um, I learned two things, two main things in psychology in the psychology part of trading. And there was, that was risk management, which is, you know, a very materialistic part of it because I think those questions that arise, like what if this, what if that, what if I would have held this, what if I would have entered this, that's more so of, a, of risk management because most people want the most out of any given situation with the least amount of, of drawdown, the least amount of risk to them personally. And so that's everybody innately already has um, risk management just built into them. And so now what comes out of too much risk management? Fear. And so the other thing that it taught me was fear management. Now that has little to do with materialistic stuff, but more so to do with learned lessons that I have within myself that you have to kind of unlearn. So attachment to money 
is something that a lot of people have that they won't admit. But when you look at their actions, let's say they take a loss and then you look at their actions towards that loss, then you'll see if somebody has an attachment to money or they don't have an attachment to money. Hmm. And so I had to learn that the loss was completely on myself and that the fear of losing was completely on myself. And once I took that detachment out um, from any kind of bad experience and turned it completely positive, then there's only upside mm-hmm. in, in my head. There was only upside. No matter if I lost, there was always the next step to winning. And so if I won, there was always, okay, how can I continue to win? So it was, there was never anything negative. And I feel like a lot of people hold fears there. Some may be learned, some may be within you, but just because the fear is there does not mean that you should shy away from, you know, doing what you have to do. Cause I feel like there's a funny way of doing things where if you continue to do the same thing over and over and over and get the same result, that just means that you're not learning the lesson of what is being taught to you Mm. You keep you keep being punished 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 because you're not learning the lesson that that is trying to teach you and so once you see everything as kind of like a learning mechanism it's very easy to 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 pick at yourself and see okay what am i doing right what am i doing wrong and then learning from those experiences as opposed to just letting them kind of run over you um but yeah risk management fear management um those are the main two uh big giveaways and then just your attachments to certain thing and how you react to them is, I mean, th- those have just been game changers to my whole life, not even just in, in investing. Um, yeah, psychology is a, it's a, it's a huge part. You have to learn to learn to unlearn, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, and just, you know, criticize everything, criticize what you've learned um, over the years, mm. you know, criticize everything that you've, that you've known not in a bad way, not in like a sense of, okay, you know, nothing matters type sense, but how can you benefit that? How can that benefit you if you unlearn that, okay, by me losing $1,000, I could potentially make $4,000, $5,000. That has to be the, the potential of the, of the upside always to me outweighs the negative. And so I'm able to risk manage and fear manage. Um, a lot easier, but yeah, it takes a lot of time, it takes years. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I like the way you, um, um, analyzed all that. Like that was probably some very, um, very, um, important life changing advice that, you know, to, to give and to offer really, um, because yeah, whenever you get tested like this, it, it does really, it, it's your, it does provide these, these positive outcomes, um, overall in your life because you're able to develop these, these level, this level of confidence and this level of decision-making that, um, would make things easier, you know, in the long run. And uh, again, it's sometimes it's something that kind of, um, you know, it delivers some insight that you didn't know was there before. And, you know, and it's funny because all of this is really just coming from just this basic skill of what we're talking about in trading and, you know, this, the the financial aspect of this. Um, And so, you know, it's interesting how all this kind of ties in together. And, 
So moving on to, um, you know, to the, to the next step and to this next evolution of basically how everyone's going to be affected, affected. And that's, you know, moving into crypto space. Um, so, uh, I, I always like this question, especially, of whenever, uh, or like when, um, when did you get started in, in crypto and, and why, or what was it? Okay. So, um, this kind of also ties back. It's kind of like a double answer, uh, cause it ties back to the psychology as well. So back in 2017 was when we saw the first big crypto, uh, run and it, it was kind of weird because I was completely into Forex at the time, nothing but currencies. I saw crypto, but for some reason it just, it just was like, uh, it was such an out of there technology that I didn't, I didn't think it was going to be around for long. Mm -hmm. I thought it was just like a lot of hype for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was, I definitely had FOMO back then, which is FOMO is just the fear of missing out. And those questions of what if, what if I invest right now and then it completely goes to zero? What if I don't invest and it continues to go? Like all these questions were constantly in my mind. And the thing is that I would do analysis, technical analysis for other people for about 8,000 to 10,000 people um, once a week. I would do technical analysis for them on these crypto assets but I would never take, you know, I would never take my own advice because I just had that fear. I just didn't know what the space was going to be. And so that's how I was introduced to it. Um, but I was introduced to the volatility of it. I traded the volatility of it uh, on the short term side. And I saw what it could do to people. And so now fast forward into 2020. It feels like I was kind of destined to go through that be because I didn't put any action towards it back then. All I did was see it and I saw it go up and up and up and up and up and it never came back down. And now when the price, it's kind of like I stumbled upon into it again and then I saw, oh, you know, crypto prices are actually pretty low right now. And then I started researching into like the cycles, you know, uh, and how it correlates into other markets. Hmm. Um, and it has been three years since then. So I was like, that's a three-year you know, bear market. Just from what I know from other markets, I'm just going to extrapolate that information and kind of go into the crypto space and say, okay, you know, three-year-long bear market is quite quite large compared to, let's say, like the 2008 financial crash. You know, by 2011, 2012, we're already coming back up um, as an economy. And so I would say, you know, if if the whole economy came back up in about three to four years and that means that you know crypto is should be coming back up if it is a legitimate asset hmm. and so i started investing and i started pouring into it um very early 2020 and early 2019 i was still doing my research but early 2020 is when i started like really putting my money where my mouth is hmm. um and you know stuff has you know came to fruition and now i'm even more you know doubled down on 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 crypto just because i see the potential of it but that's how i was exposed to it uh, i was exposed through it first of all because i saw it go up and i did nothing about it and that crushed me you know, that crushed me most people would have just not even invested in it today they would have just said you know i missed out on it that's it and i, I feel like that's kind of how it goes you know you have that you have that uh, realization that you missed out 
and then that breaks you so much that you are not willing to even take opportunity when it becomes presented to you uh, presented to you again and so yeah, yeah. that's kind of my run with with crypto <laughs> at evernorth health services we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best it's possible pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line it's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI it's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions that's wonder made possible learn more at evernorth.com/wonder yeah <clears throat> sorry um that is um it's pretty familiar story honestly um so uh like eric briefly mentioned very early on it's been a while since we've seen each other and um I dabbled in Forex a little as well, um, you know, tried my hand in, in, in trading. And it's, um, you know, it's definitely a lot to learn, but I honestly think it's it was a, it was a lot of fun and part of it as well because, um, you know, it is a unique skill and, uh, you know, um, it just it just depends on how much, you know, you will try and apply, you know, to it. And at that time in 2017, uh, I was um, not like super focused in forex because also at the same time i was running a arts collective called ctac and uh, i was more focused in trying to really escalate the the arts programming there and around town and really setting it off for this community so i had a lot of time and energy i was putting into that and then trying to balance that with forex and you know family at home um but during when you know my time of looking at the charts you know, I saw the the crypto market and I saw that bull run going or I saw Bitcoin taking off. And I thought, you know, how peculiar that was um, for something like that to move like that. And like you said, it never came down. Um, but I really didn't think anything of it at the time. And so I was, you know, just kind of putting it past me. And, uh, you know, in hindsight, I'm thinking like, why didn't I see that? But, uh, you know, it was just an introduction. It was just, you know, we all have these, these slight introductions of what, where that seed was planted. So that way we can cultivate it when the time is right, when we come back to it. And, um, so yeah, during the whole bear market time, you know, hardly anyone ever brings up 2019 because, um, you know, that was, you know, start, that was part of the, like the, the crypto winner is what it's called because it was, you know, everything was so dead. There was really no point in talking about crypto because nothing was moving and you, you just kind of felt like it was all, it was all over anyway. Um, well, slightly. So there was, you know, slight, some details in it coming back to life to getting ready to the impact that it made for this year alone of 2020. And so it's definitely been, uh, you know, interesting for anyone that's in the space right now to find out what they have found out and especially for what the prices are doing now to see just how real this thing really is. And um, so, you you know, so then you become involved into um, as an owner or a hodler or a trader in the crypto, you begin to get this exposure more into finances and the monetary system than you may have ever, you know, been familiar with before. And that's where I think this comes really interesting, very interesting because you start to kind of grasp, uh, again, what the value of, of um, 
something like this, like these digital digital assets, what the value of these could really potentially be, but also what money also really is, you know, uh, compared to the legacy system of how the economy has been run so far. And it seems like, you know, um, it's been treated as a joke the way uh, a lot of it's been manipulated, you know, here and there and the way that countries have uh, failed, you know, with their economy. And then now you see something like, uh, you know, um, this new digital currency, which can completely turn all of this around, you know, because it's another aspect of um, delivering these accounts of value from, um, you know, either peer to peer or country to country with something that has much more, um, much more of a solid foundation because there's something behind it other than a country saying, you know, we can print however much you need. And that's that, you know, it, it was so, it was so baseless and it was such a facade and it felt so hollow that now when you have cryptocurrency, something like this, um, there's actually something behind it and, uh, there's almost this level of appreciation. So it becomes very interesting, um, to, to really get involved with it. And so with this becomes very interesting because, um, you either become an investor or you become a, a trader, which, so, um, I think I, as a majority, so this is from my understanding of running across some other individuals that have a, um, that have, that suddenly been in, getting started, that are getting started in crypto. They've come into the space. And they've acquired some crypto, um, however, in an X amount. And um, I'm not so sure that they've come into the space as an investor, but mostly as uh, some kind of passive trader because they're looking at it in the very short term. You know, from what I've seen, they've come into the space just recently and, um, and are looking to get this quick buck, you know. And then if it doesn't do anything for a couple of months, I'm fairly certain they're just going to turn around and sell it possibly less for what they bought it at only to eventually they're going to end up finding out that, oops, they did it too soon or too early. Um, so this was another, um, I think a topic or point of topic I wanted to kind of bring up to you is like how, uh, you mentioned a little bit earlier about how important it is, uh, as a short term investor, you know, that that's less, um, appealing than you know looking at it and being kind of thinking into this of uh, being as a like a long-term investment because the, pay the payoff is going to be much better um but i mean so how important is it for someone to recognize this ability in looking at price and understanding that again they're going to be tested with patience to wait for this price i mean you can get in at any point or if you prefer, wait to see if that price can drop, you know, um, how likely is it do you think the price will come down as a good entry point and then to just hold it for, um, you know, uh, a, a more of a long term, you know, time frame. So that way, you know, that you're you're basically buying into something that's going to pay off a great deal later on down the road, like a year or two from now. Um, how important is it? Do you think people should understand something like this? I mean, th that's that's basically the game. The game of it is, you know, should I hold right now? Should I buy in right now and hold? 
should I wait to go for it to go down and, you know, get more of whatever token or coin or Bitcoin that you want to get, you get more of it. Um, or should I, you know, when should I release my coins? Whatever the case may be. Those are the questions that, that Forex, um, kind of built, they built my, the way that I invest Forex built that into me because if you're, if you know anything about trading Forex, if you, if you know anything about intraday trading or scalping, or, you know, even like a week of trading, um, you know, that these are the questions you ask yourself when your trade is up, when, you know, when you're up $15, you ask yourself these same questions. Should mm. I cash out right now? Can this go to a hundred dollars or if it's a negative, do I close it right now and lose my 15 or does it go back to zero? Do I, you know, break even or do I wait for it to go to profit, get a little bit of profit, you know? And the thing that messes with people is because no matter what decision you make, you're always going to be able to see if your decision was right or wrong. Does that make sense? Mm. Like, mm -hmm. because the chart is always there. So once I close out my position, I'm going to immediately be able to see if this thing continues to go up, if I could have made more money or if it goes down and I could have lost more money. Like that's the kind of weird thing about Forex that messes a lot of people up or in trading in general is that they can immediately see if they were right or they were wrong. And if you have too much, if you hold whatever, you know, whether you're being right or being wrong to such a high value, that's where it causes you to continue to lose, to continue to lose. It causes a continuous pattern, like a loop of you second guessing yourself and asking yourself these questions when those are the wrong questions to be asking. So I see, like I said earlier, we're talking about the internet and it's very, the amount of people that try to predict tops and bottoms is astounding. Like it's almost everybody. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, trying to get to the absolute trying to get trying to invest in a top or in a bottom um and for those of you know that are listening if you guys don't know what that is it's just um the bottom of a market when a market dips let's say it goes down to like twenty dollars and that's the lowest point trying to predict that is nearly impossible it's just almost impossible and same thing when there's when there's a top Let's say the market gets to a high of a hundred dollars and that's where you want to share. I mean, sell all your shares. That's almost impossible as well. And so since I know that that's almost impossible, those, that's not what I should be focusing on because there's no way I would ever, I will ever, you know, get that. And so, so thinking about it, like the internet, you know, there was a dot com bubble back in the day and the bubble ended up bursting in a lot of the companies that were, very big in the internet industry at the very beginning are not even here to this day. Yeah. But some of those companies are now trillion dollar companies, you know, Apple, Google, IBM. These are huge, huge companies. And so if you were to tell yourself, okay, let's pretend that I was back in the nineties and I was investing in this. When would I want to sell my shares of Apple? Would I want to share them in 2001? Would I want to sell them in 2001 or do I want to sell them right now? Mm -hmm. when it's, you know, when we know now what it's worth. Right. And so trying to predict, so like, for example, 2017, when I was in that fear of missing out on Bitcoin and on the other uh, altcoins, there was no way I could have ever predicted 2017 because that was my first encounter with it. Mm -hmm. So I had to kind of have gone through that fear of missing out phase 
to realize this opportunity now in 2020. And so the people that did capitalize on 2017, they knew about crypto back in 2013. Right. And so they probably missed out on 2013, but they definitely caught 2017. Right. And so that's, that's natural to, to go through that. Hmm. But you have to realize you're going through it as opposed to saying, I missed out and that's it. And so you have to look at the macroeconomic data, long-term effects of what you're holding, what asset you're holding, um, and realize that it's a long-term game. Short-term gains, all those questions doesn't matter. Like those, those questions really don't matter too much short-term because price is going to fluctuate. Mm-hmm. It's just, it just is. But if you know what you're holding, it doesn't matter when you buy in as long as you set yourself goals. So, for example, the, for anybody that wants to, you know, invest right now i would i would set myself a goal so i would say okay let's say there's a crypto that is under 20 cents and under 20 cents i would say okay anywhere under 20 cents i'm eligible to buy this crypto Mm -hmm. so that way it gets the the fear of okay should i buy when it goes down to 15 cents should i buy when it goes down to 12 cents should i buy when it gets to 20 you know, what if, what if it goes up, you know, what if it goes down, it removes all those questions because you set yourself a goal that this, this asset is valuable to me under 20 cents. That's a steal. You're, you're telling yourself that you're getting a bargain. You're getting a deal. If you buy this under 20 cents, Mm -hmm. you're telling yourself that. And so if it gets under 11 cents, that's still part of the deal. Right. And so anywhere under 20 cents, you, you're, you're, you're investing the money not with fear of it going down or up or price fluctuation, but more so you actually believe in the asset you're holding and you believe in the longevity of it. And so that's kind of how I go with, with things. I would say, you know, if this thing goes up, let's say I'm at 11 cents and then it goes up to 40 cents. Well, if I set my cap at 50 cents, 40 cents is still a bargain. Even though it's not 11 cents, mm. it's still a good deal at 40 cents. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. That is, I think, the best way uh, I think I've ever heard it explained. Because, uh, again, and what, another important thing you mentioned was know what you're holding, know what the project is, how much do you want to get behind it. And, I mean, all this information is available right now. And it's not that difficult to think about um, what this potential is because it's an emerging market, right? So just when the, when the internet first came on and you had those early companies, um, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a guess as to which ones are going to make it. But honestly, if you kind of think about the infrastructure of like who is providing the solution to certain problems, I mean, is it, is this just going to be a coin that somebody created for fun? It was, is it, based around a meme or is this a coin that's really solving a real world solution and they will most likely be one to succeed so you will most likely be buying it at um, something less than 50 cents and then in the you know long run in the longer term it's going to be very valuable and so um, you know your investment initially whatever you've put in will you know, I think easily hit up to a thousand X or something. At least that's the way I see it as well. And so, yeah, that's very important to just kind of get behind what it is that you're kind of interested in, what it is that you're uh, willing to get behind. Because honestly, there are so many projects right now that's that that looks so good 
and they are under 20 cents, that's what's even more incredible because you're looking at the infrastructure of things like the supply chain. You know, there's a couple of projects I was looking at earlier this week that um, deal with the very supply chain issue. And you know that's something that that's something very important to the industry and the enterprises. It's something that all of them are going to get behind because it's an essential part of their business. And um, so that's going to be uh, another very valuable investment, but a lot of that was very valuable information. And so I gotta say thank you on that one, Eric. That was a really, really good way to look at it because, um, uh, uh, it's just, it's just, it blows my mind to think about how many people are really good about, um, when the price is already taken off, right. It's already hitting this major run up and, um, you know, it's almost, even to a point of it looking parabolic, which means it's just gone straight up. And that's so unnatural, like unnatural price movement is straight up. And you got a lot of people buying into it at that point when it's at a high like that. And um, naturally, you know, that price as an unnatural movement as that is, it's going to come back down and level off in some way. Right. And so it's best to wait, find that patience and to, get that entry then but that's not what happens people are very good at buying in at a point like that <laughs> and then uh just kind of beating themselves up over it at some point because uh the price comes back down and they're freaking out like like they lost all this money and all they have to do is just continue holding we're still early in the game still so early but what happens is they will end up selling and uh it blows my mind just how many times something like that is practiced through and through and so you know, uh, a lot of people are just going to be, see, again, this is going to be something that falls into see what people are made of, what these strong hands, uh, you know, what's, what kind of strong hands you have and stuff like that. So, um, right, right now, I think just about anything, um, you kind of pick up, you know, in, in, uh, in crypto, it's going to be, I think good in, in the next bull run. And I feel very strongly that we're looking at that next year, uh, another repeat of what we've seen, um, you know, in 2017 of another major run up like this, but it's going to be interesting to see what projects will make it. Um, some, I hope to get into more in depth later in later episodes about what some of these projects are. There's some really good ones. I've mentioned a, a few in past episodes, so I hope y'all have paid attention. It's just going to get any even more interesting. So, um, I, um, we're getting close to needing to find uh, some closure here, Eric. And uh, this has been a great, great conversation so far. Uh, you've um, supplied much, much needed and valuable information. And I thank you again. Um, but another favorite question I have is, um, uh, well, first, before I ask you my favorite question, let me just uh, get your your. Uh, your overall outlook on um, what do you think the coin market is? As I mentioned, I feel like next year is going to be the year, but overall, how do you feel about the coin market? So I feel really strong about the majority of, of the coin market, especially about probably 20 to 15 projects in, in the top 100 as far as coin market cap. Um, I feel very strongly about those projects. But I think that at some point, it's not just going to be a bull run like in 2017 where it was very short lived mm. at some point it's going to become the same as like how, so I always piggyback off of the internet because 
you, there's a term that they throw around called the internet of value. Mm -hmm. And I feel like central authorities such as governments and countries are starting to realize how strong the internet is. And they're starting to realize, um, how much, you know, they can actually put onto the internet. You can put basically anything onto the internet. Um, and that's just the natural way of going about things in my opinion. And so if you see how the internet played out as far as the big companies, you know, Google, IBM, Apple, Microsoft, whoever you want to call a big, you know, tech company, mm -hmm. if you see how they've played out, so there's these things that, that, that might help, you know, the, the listeners, um, you want to have confirmations outside of price so that that can get you that ease that you need to invest into these things. Mm -hmm. And so some of those confirmations for me is just what the big players are doing. It's kind of like a cheat code. I mean, they have all the answers mm -hmm. and they leave back, you know, footprints and you just follow these footprints. And then that's, you know, those are your answers. And so since the internet got to where it is now and they're creating now what is called the internet of value, into smart contracts and then everything can be put into a smart contract and decentralization and, you know, just privacy and the way that these, these coins are actually generated and validated transactions. It just makes sense that at some point it's going to be like those tech companies where it's not just a one year bull run. It's a continuously long bull run. And on top of that, we're seeing that the the next stage of liquidity, which means that Amazon took about 20, maybe 20, a little bit over 20 years to become a trillion dollar company. And then we see now people like, or companies like Tesla that took seven years to become a trillion dollar company. Mm -hmm. And it's just going to become faster and faster and faster. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at the, the overall, like, if you, look, if you go on coin mar coinmarketcap.com, you can see uh, the volume through all the cryptos. And you see that some of these are holding trillion-dollar values and billion-dollar values. Mm -hmm. um, and so you just think we're not even in like 10 years of a bull run. And those are going to be creating the amount of liquidity for the future. And so I just see it as like, you know, within a couple of years, you might see companies that within three years go to a trillion-dollar valuation. Um and so that's just how I think about about these things. And if you have those uh, confirmations outside of price, it's very easy to just hold. Like no data that comes out on a day-to-day -day basis, no chart that I see on a day-to-day -day basis is ever changes my mind or even causes me any kind of stress or happiness for the fact. Because I see it go up, but I know that that's not the end goal. You know, I see three digits, I see four digits, I see five digits. And so anything that's had, that's good for price, you know, that's fine. It's just a day-to-day -day movement. Anything that's bad for price, it's fine. It's just a day-to-day -day movement. And so these are, this is literally how you have to think of these things. If not, there's really no way that you're ever going to be able to calm those emotions. They're always going to be on your mind. Yeah, there you go. And the, uh, the emotions, man, you have to... Yeah, out there, got to make sure you got to detach that. Um, it's the only way to to keep sane in this crazy, um, crazy 
volatile market because uh, we really we haven't seen anything yet. But one thing that we will see is massive liquidity and uh, a massive amount of um, just how quickly this thing is going to move. And uh, what's funny is some uh, some friends of mine that are that are invested now that hold particular coins. Whenever the price starts to move, it blows their mind how quickly this this does move because they're they're used to the regular stock market and uh, they've never seen anything like this. And it's it's like an unreal experience and they they really love it. But um, you know they realize they're gonna have to kind of check a lot of those emotions as well to stay on top of it. You know they know what they're holding and they're willing to invest a little more because they know this is still early early in the game um and it's just all a matter of uh you know good conversation about crypto and finding out what coins are out there what projects are out there so my favorite question to you is do you have a favorite uh, crypto or project in particular so yeah i have um my favorite favorite is xrp that's my favorite nice <laughs> but yeah, it, yeah it, it's just my favorite because of how much backing it has mm -hmm. um and i feel like price was suppressed for a certain reason and so that's just my favorite back because if you look at everything that comes out consistently over xrp mm -hmm. i mean it has all the big players in it like every big player that you can think of yep. just go do your research watch some people even do the research for you you go on youtube <laughs> and you could just watch you know a youtube video oh uh, yeah and yeah. they'll have all the information. You don't even have to search down the you know the depths of Google. Yeah, I'd like to do the research myself because it's fun mm -hmm. for me, because um, I can make those connections myself, and then I see and I kind of like double down on my confirmation. But even if you don't have the time, you know, there's people on YouTube or anywhere else that that have done the research. Mm -hmm. But yeah, if you look at XRP, there's nothing but big players there, and yeah. That's a fascinating conversation on its own as well, because, um, yeah, we're talking as far as big players and major moves and like the huge financial system all together. Um, that that's one uh, particular coin that's at the center of, of all of this. And it's quite unique, too, because it's, um, um, you know, part of the original Bitcoin code. You know, it's not from Ethereum. It's it's a it's its own entity and uh, it's a beast. It is truly a beast. And uh, what's interesting, I'm glad you brought that up, too, because um, owners of XRP are um, open to picking up an extra coin, what's called an airdrop. So sometimes if you own a particular crypto, you'll get airdropped uh, additional types of coins uh, just for owning them. And on December the 12th, um, everyone will be... Um, um, there will be a, what's called a snapshot. So everyone that owns XRP will have a, snot, a snapshot taken of their transaction and their, um, you know, of, of the amount of XRP that they're holding. And that we, they will be um, given the ability to own and be airdropped this Spark token. So the Spark token is, this, is uh, something new being introduced um, that's going to give uh, XRP like sort of an adapter to play around into the more extended field of what's called DeFi in the decentralized finance arena of where you'll be able to expand the capabilities of where XRP is able to travel in its transactions into a, a massive derivatives market where 
we were talking about a potential quadrillion dollar market. And now this, this is will extend the, the value of what XRP is ultimately. So it's, it's a truly a fascinating coin. And what's even more spectacular is that it's only uh, 60 some cents around there last I checked. So it's less than a dollar, right? So, I mean, this is probably one of the most affordable coins. You know, when people are, everybody's looking at Bitcoin and looking at these, you know, massive gains that it has, you know, sometimes you can lose sight of these projects that are still less than a dollar. And XRP is one of them. It's very, it's a very unique project because it's going to have some massive gain, massive upside, massive potential to anyone that's holding it. And they are a huge investor just for owning that. So, um, well, yeah, that brings us to the conclusion of today's episode. This was a really, really, um, a great conversation, Eric. And this was, um, you know, and I thank you many times over for coming and yeah, man. contributing to this. And like you mentioned earlier, I wish there were more conversations on crypto being on you know, taking place because, um, it's a, it's very valuable information and it's, it's a, it's a huge advantage for people to be a part of right now and that they're not, um, kind of maybe they're not awoken to yet. And that's one reason I've, you know, been doing this podcast is to, to, to provide that education because of how much of an advantage it is for people to know right now. And just to put it in, put that into perspective, right? So when we think of third world countries and we think of people maybe like all over China, all over India, all over Africa, when you think of, you know, how people in villages there are living this this uh, fourth industrial revolution, this new technological advancement is going has the ability or is going to put all of those people into the middle class. OK, now, I don't know if you understand what that means, but this is huge when you can pretty much take a society such as maybe thinking about whatever a third world uh, civilization looks like to you and then put them into a middle class status because of something like this, that's, that's the type of advantage I'm talking about. That's what crypto is. And, and think about what, you know, what that could mean for you here right now. So, um, you know, I hope you can take that into heart and really understand what that means out there. Um, so, uh, an interesting source, you mentioned YouTube earlier, an interesting source that I like to look at is one gentleman, his name is Eric as well, Eric Crown, and he goes by Crown's Crypto Cave, and he provides a lot of uh, chart analysis, and he breaks down a lot of the crypto movements uh, in, in charts, and even uh, even in Forex, and I like watching him from time to time because he really goes into a super in-depth analysis with with other indicators that I've never seen or heard of. And it's truly fascinating the way he can break down with all these other types of volatility indexes that is just uh, fascinating to me. And so uh, if you're out there check out crowns, crypto cave, he, uh, he, he provides some amazing analysis into a lot of the markets. And then of course, another very interesting source is real vision. Crypto real vision has been very, very educating and, um, you know, great conversations with people and uh, with like very prominent investors that are talking about this, this emerging market. And that's a, it's another level of information that you want to be privy to, to find out what kind of discussions are being had in the, uh, the upper echelons, if you will. And so, 
Yeah, be sure to check out um, all the links in my description in uh, the platforms I use, Uptrend, Library, Odyssey, Hyper. Uh, for more sources, I try and provide a lot of the links available to you to find out as much information as you can. And um, so thanks, everyone, for listening and stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for more disruption. This is One Nation Under God and Crypto for All. This has been Rogue Media Network Podcast.